0: restaurant unstoppable episode four zero three.
1: But I've been into, you know, I've worked at some good places at the time, the culture and the way of thinking and the thought process is so thoughtful, right? That you that that you, you have to kind of, your ego has to go away. You have to, you have to find where you're, where you're, I'm not so good with words sometimes, but you have to be, you have to find humility, I guess in your service and, what you you know because you don't know you don't know enough when you start regardless of how good you are because you have to learn the culture are you ready for it It factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes
0: to become unstoppable (laughs) There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital cabbage created a simple flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000 apply online and get a decision right away withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a K Line of credit is subject to credit approval C terms and conditions. Increase return visits by 200% with Five Stars. Five Stars helps you build a database of your customers' spend and visit behaviors. Five Stars also helps you stay continually connected by automatically sending personalized offers and rewards. To learn more, head over to get.5stars.com slash unstoppable or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you set up a demo, Five Stars will send you a $25 gift card to some of their favorite retailers like Target, Starbucks. Home Depot, and more. What are you waiting for? Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Nicholas Arnerich. Nick, my man, are you feeling unstable? Stoppable today
1: i am i'm feeling good i'm feeling really good
0: <laughs> awesome so a special shout out to alex LePrat thank you so much for calling nick out and putting him on my radar i'm excited for this one nick grew up in portland oregon and spent most of his first years at his parents restaurant Delavin's. over the past 15 years nick has worked in some of the most acclaimed restaurants across the country, including the French Laundry. And most recently, Nick was director of operations for the Delfina Restaurant Group in San Francisco. And in 2013, Nick relocated to Portland and pursued his dream of opening his own restaurant, which he has done What what is now the Renata, which he's now open with his wife, uh, Sandra, the Renata. I can't wait to dive into how you guys got to where you are today. And man, it seems like a great story, but first let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do
1: you have for us? For me, it's just thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. I mean, that's my thing is just in this industry, just to be thoughtful as much as possible in in everything we do Um, because we have, we have so much impact as a restaurant Uh, in terms of purveyors lives, as well as, as. As, as people dining in the restaurant, I guess, dining in the restaurant. So, really, awesome. just I try to try to be a thoughtful with everything that we do with the restaurant.
0: Beautiful man, I love it. And I guess where did it all start? Let's go there. When did you know that this was going to be your career and not just a for now job? Uh,
1: I knew it was going to be my career when I was in high school. Um, I was I needed to make some money, and my parents said, "You know, you should, you should go work in a restaurant. I can help you because my dad my dad had owned a restaurant." when I was really young, when I was in my first three years. So he, he connected me and of course with the cliche, you started a dishwasher and you move your way up. Um, and when I was at Wildwood restaurant um, in 1997, um, I think I was 17 at the time, I thought that cooking was the coolest thing ever. And so I dove into it um, uh, while I was in high school and ended up, Ended up um, wanting to go to school out on the East Coast and and try to get a make a career out of it and get and go, and go to college and get a business administration degree, and hospitality and uh, and do it and that's that was it I was hooked.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like you started in the back of house. Uh, eventually, yeah. you transitioned to the front of house. Uh, mm-hmm. When did that transition happen?
1: That transition happened um, in Philadelphia. Uh, I I. As when I was at Temple University, going to school, I needed to make some money, and so I started to look for a job. Nobody knew about any of the restaurants that I'd worked at in Portland, um, and so it was really difficult to kind of get my foot in the door. But finally, somebody uh, knew Wildwood and gave me a chance, and I, I started as a line cook slash expo um, at a little brasserie in Philadelphia that was just opening. Um, and then he uh, he let me. That was that, that was that was it. I mean, then I started cooking uh, with him, and he said to me, Hey, Nick, you really love this industry. You should go work at Lebec Finn. And he got he got me an interview as a as a server because I, I was going to school, so I didn't have so many hours to be a full-time cook, and that was it. I got in the dining room, and I really never looked back.
0: Okay, so... There's a lesson in here. I feel like so you're working for somebody. He saw something in, in you. Uh, in what did he do? He says you need to get out of. He here.
1: said <laughs> you need to get out of here. He told me I had to go. He said that this restaurant that, that if I really wanted to do this and because I, I was you know I was talking like you know I don't know if I'm going to finish school. I'm, I just want to work. You know. And he said, well, this is where you should try it. Mm. And then he got he got me by my foot in the door. did an interview. and Next thing I know. Um, I was uh, I was a back waiter at at uh, at the which was at in two thousand and one, which it was rocking. Awesome. And so what's it was the, an awesome place.
0: What's the big lesson in that? Uh, If you could just distill it down to something very direct.
1: I mean, I mean, the, the lesson is that, is that when people believe in you, and you know, give you an opportunity, and you got to seize it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I, I think also too, what, what I got from that is really what this—it's—it's it, it, it's about everyone else but you. Uh, and you know, you might have somebody who's working for you who's passionate, and if you see, I don't know, depending on what situation you're in, if you know, give them opportunity. Whether that's an opportunity within your own restaurant, and if there isn't any right. opportunity for them, help them find the opportunity. It's not about you. Exactly. and Everybody else. Uh, I love. It's that. about the ecos-
1: It's about yep. the ecosystem of the restaurant industry, and we're all connected. Okay. Awesome, man. I, d- I think it's great.
0: I dig it. So, okay. You're what were the biggest lessons you learned uh, working
1: for these great restaurants in your college career? Um, and the back fin, I mean, the back fin was, it, you learn discipline, you know, you learn, um, consistency and you learn to operate at a high level, um, at, at a very high level with with a lot of intensity. And I think that it, there's so much to learn skill sets that you can learn from that, you know, problem solving, uh, speaking on your feet, communication skills, you know, restaurants have not been known for the best communication skills, but you have to be the best communicator when you talk to a guest, mm.
0: no, you know? At, so at this point, are you thinking you're going to open your own restaurant someday or had, no. when did this, the vision for being your own owner uh, come into the frame?
1: I'm uh, bad until somebody told me that I needed to open a restaurant <laughs> when I was by, like 10 years, 12 years later.
0: Okay. Well, let's not jump that much ahead. Into- yeah.
1: No, I mean, I was more, I was, I was really, I was twenty, twenty-one 21 years old. I was working 40, 50 hours a week at Lebec fin, oh, wow. trying to go to school Adult and school. I just put my head down.
0: Nice, man. So, okay. What was the next opportunity? You graduated from Temple in 2002. Uh, mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of a, looks like four-year gap before you find yourself a French Laundry. What were you doing in that four years?
1: So, I was at Lebec fin, and then uh, from Lebec fin, um I kind of moved up the ranks I was working the kind of the cheese program. And then I got as the assistant sommelier and started, started becoming really big into the wine, focusing on wine. I had a really great trainer and mentor. Um, he ended up moving to LA uh, to take over a restaurant called Bastide. Um, and a few months later, he asked me to come out. And so I went to Bastide uh, with him. Okay. And, and, and that, that was, that was my next move.
0: So who was this mentor you're talking about? The guy at the talk?
1: This great. Uh, Gregory Castells, uh, who was a sommelier. Um, he was the last time he was a sommelier was at the French laundry and now he owns Martins wine importer of, uh, some of the best wines in the world.
0: So I'm, I'm sure Gregory, uh, taught you a lot about wine. Uh, but what did he teach you about success and just being a good person? Like what life lessons did you pick up from Greg? Uh, I
1: mean, Gregory taught, Gregory taught me to never stop, never, it never stopped believing and never stopped. Want to do great things, you know, and that, and that he drove me, you know, uh, he told, he, 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 helped me learn how to, how to, how to dream, how to put you in, how to, and, and how to work into those dreams. And that was, a, that was a big part of, a big part of my, of, of my relationship with him was just not really so much wine and talking about wine. Sure. That came about it. It was, it was really, um, you know, a friendship that was about trying to be successful for, for each other and to, and to grow and it was pretty cool
0: awesome man so I'm, I'm hesitant to go here but you have me really curious he said he, t- he taught you how to dream and he taught you how to work into oh, your God. dreams so we gotta go deeper man we gotta dive into that how, how do you dream how do you teach somebody to dream
1: well I mean I think that when 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 you, when you don't when you're looking to figure out your, you know you're a young kid and you're looking to figure out well, do really in what do I really want to be in this industry what do I really want to do I think that when someone who, he, he was somebody that was super passionate and had such great ideas, then it sparked a creativity that I don't think that I ever had. You know, I was just like, oh, I could learn. I don't think that I would ever say that I was really creative and had ideas that would morph into something. And he allowed that creative process just by encouraging me to be part of the conversation.
0: Okay. And how do you work into that dream? Once you once he encouraged you to dream, and what do you
1: do? How do you work into it? What do you mean well, by work into it? Well, because he told me that you can't just dream and, 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 and just get it. It just doesn't show up. Most people don't have that in life. There's, there's steps. You gotta, you gotta do the right steps. You have to, you wanna be a sommelier? You gotta, you gotta go the right steps. You gotta put in your time. You gotta learn how to polish glasses. You gotta learn where the wine comes from. You gotta learn how to take care of people. And, okay, then you wanna be the master sommelier. Or oh. maybe you wanna be a maitre D. Well, you gotta, you gotta put in your time. You wanna be a GM? You gotta put in your time. You gotta learn. Before your dreams will come, and yes. that put, that was the most important thing for me. Yes, and he, it put me on it put me on just work, Yeah. just work and get at it and be humble with what you have. And that was it, and honestly, it, it was that was the best advice I ever had.
0: Man, this is coming uh, or turning into uh, an awesome episode. I knew it was going to. My gut was telling me this was going to be a good one. Um, so, I mean, when listening to you talk and just the idea of dreaming, right? It's just visioning. What is a dream? It's a vision. It's a vision of where you want to be. And you have to start with the end of mind. You have to know where you're going before you can start living intentionally to, to work towards something. Uh, and that's what he taught you. I mean, I'm using different words, but it sounds like he taught you how to vision and he taught you how to put together a plan to get to where you want to go. Is that safe to say?
1: Yeah. Safe to say.
0: Awesome man. I love it. So okay, um, what's next? Uh, um
1: so, so then go B- for it. Bastide we were at Bastide and I was under his tutelage at Bastide and Bastide was an interesting restaurant because it was really small. Uh, Ludovic Lefebvre was the chef at the time. The wine list was beautiful. Um, but it didn't it didn't wasn't getting the best reviews from the LA press. So long story short, at one point he closed down for they closed down for renovations. And at that moment, Gregory um, and I both got hired uh, up at the French Laundry and moved up to the French Laundry.
0: Okay. So uh, at this, so was it Bestine? you said? Bastid, Bastide. Bastide. Okay. B A S T T I D E. Got it. So you and Gregory, uh, you get picked up from the French Laundry. Take us through mm-hmm. that process of even getting on board a, a restaurant like that. How, how...
1: Well, like I said, in Lebec Fin Nicolas Fulci was the general manager, and he had brought Gregory from France over. And then he'd hired me as a big fan. He became the general manager of the French Laundry. Okay. And so when he knew that we were working, um, at that seat or kind of just waiting to see what's gonna happen, he invited us not to come up to work, he invited us to come hang out best friends and whatever. And of course, we go to dinner with Nicola and we're hanging out and uh, that night it was the Super Bowl when the Seattle Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing and uh, Larry, Lawrence Nadeau, um um, who's the mate Larry Nordo? Who's the mate of D at the French Laundry at the time? was at dinner and Laura Cunningham, who was you know Thomas Keller's partner, um, you know, and everything. So we started talking, and long story short, there was a conversation about you know us maybe coming up there. Um, Gregory and I decided to do it and move up there. Uh, he he was was going to be the Somali at the French Laundry, and I was uh, going to interview um with them for a job um and we moved up i went through the interview process which was which was awesome and you know french on is a really magical place and I, I was able to get a job i got hired as a captain and uh was excited to start um a few days later nicola called me and said hey we're changing the way we do things and we want everybody you know everybody's going to start as a runoff and move your way up and you're gonna, I'm sure you'll be fine because of the experience and you know, the, you'll, you'll do well and you'll move your way up, just be patient with it. And I was like, okay, I kind of felt like it was going to be a setback, um, but it's the French Laundry and I'm here and let's go for it. Well, it wasn't a setback at all. I needed to be a runner to learn the steps of service, to learn the culture, to learn the way of thinking and to, and to really find the common sense that you need to work for Thomas Keller. Um, and that was the best step for me. Yeah, that's one uh, thing. I,
0: I You're not the first person I've had in the show. I mean, Alex is another great example of mm-hmm. somebody who's worked for uh Thomas Keller, and it amazes mm-hmm. me how it, you know the, the best of the best, right? I think Alex was like the lead som, or maybe he was he was like at the top of where he was at, and when he went over mm-hmm. to the French Laundry, they, they started him just where they started to expediting, yeah, or running yep. food and it's, running it's,
1: food. Yeah, he's a, he a food runner, then he became a. uh the, uh sommelier.
0: Okay. And to me, that's amazing uh, that no matter what your reputation is, where you've come from, when you go to work at the French Laundry, you all start in the same place. Why, why do you think exactly. Thomas Collar does that?
1: I think that it's it, that because there's no place, there's no, uh, there's really no restaurant culture or place like it. I mean, I think some people have emulated and I can't say cause I'm not in the restaurants and I'm sure they have great cultures, but I've been into, you know, I'd worked at some good places at the time. The culture and the way of thinking and the thought process is so thoughtful, mm. right? That you, that, that you, you have to kind of, your ego has to go away. You have to, you have to find where you're, where you're where, you know, I'm not so good with words sometimes, but you have to be, you have to find humility, I guess, in your service and what you, what you know, because you don't know, you don't know enough when you start, regardless of how good you are, because you have to learn the culture. And I think that that, that is it, it takes certain individuals like Alex to accept that and 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 take it with they and go with it. Well talk know? about
0: like a humbling experience. Like no matter what your reputation, who you were before you got here, now you're starting at the bottom and you've got to learn I mean you got to learn the culture, you've got to put that ego away, that reputation mm-hmm. away, and just do the work and learn how do we do it. And he sounds like he's, yeah, he's I mean, starting he's like starting from a clean canvas, a blank slate. slate. Yeah.
1: yeah. Possible. And if you do, and if you work hard and you do well and you learn, you're going to, things are, things will go well for you. Mm. Um, but talk about something, just learning how to carry plates. Like the really the right way, um, was, 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 was I, I worked in fine dining restaurants and it was pretty good with my, my food running skills, but just the way you held your arms was, was something important. Oh, um, man. the, the communication, team? the communication, you know, the level of communication, um, was something of that, that you had to learn the lingo and you had to learn all that stuff before you could, you could you could figure it out. The most important thing is that the French Laundry is really it's a high volume restaurant, right? There's nine hundred thousand plates coming out of that restaurant every single night. That's a that's a lot of plates. My restaurant doesn't even do that do that on a night. So you got to figure out the intensity and the volume at a level that's supposed to be really slow, subdued really, really tranquil and, you know, but, but, but have energy to it. And that is where you have that, that, that's what you, that's the most hardest thing that I had to learn was how do you be in that intense environment in the back and then step on the dining room floor flawlessly and deliver the dish flawlessly. And, and that, that was really hard to learn. It took, it took me a month before I could figure it out. What
0: was so hard about it for you or what, what, I mean, really dive into,
1: I'm a goofy, clumsy guy. I'm not really. Good. I'm not really good with my hands. Like, I mean, here's here's my one secret about me at the French Laundry. I never could fold the napkin, and I never did fold the napkin. Okay. Like, I could never fold the napkin perfectly because I'm so bad with my hands. Well, here's you know, here's so, a- so I had to teach myself to to be not clumsy. Does that make sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well. It's interesting because it sounds like you know uh, you, you had your challenges, but you were doing something right because you got promoted to Major D, which is, I mean, I, I can only right. imagine. So what was it about you? What did Thomas Keller <laughs> see in you that gave you this opportunity to take on a role like Major D, which is such a crucial well, I think, role, crucially
1: important I think role? It be, I think before runner to Major D, the most important was that I became an expediter really quickly. And the expediter position was the supervisor role at, at the French Laundry, and it was probably – the most important and or difficult, you know, in my opinion, and it probably could have some good arguments with it, in the restaurant besides maybe the chef because you're coordinating verbally, not, not too much verbals, but really nonverbal movements. And you're coordinating face to face with the chef, 800 to a thousand plates to go out in a timeless, in a very, in a very timely way in the right way at the right temperature. And I became the expediter. Um, Two and a half months after I became a runner, um, and uh, I mean, it was a position that I that I that I still do in my restaurant now. It's a position that I started at, something that I'm very natural at and something that I love. Um, so I think I did pretty well at it, um, you know. And and my major deep position came up, and I asked for it. So and I think that he. He gave it to me because I, I don't know if I deserved it or if he believed in me, but I believe he believed in me. Um, he's done a lot for me. So, yeah, I never asked him that question.
0: Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm <laughs> tempted to, to hang out in this part of your life for a while and to learn as much as possible about your experience there, what you've learned about just service and being thoughtful and uh, some of the biggest takeaways you had. But I also want to spend a lot of time on, You, in your advancement in your career, I mean, uh, Delfino, was it? Yeah, Delfino Group. And uh, just opening your own restaurant. You had all these pop-ups. I'm really interested in that. Um, Just just leave us with like one or two biggest lessons you took from that experience of what you know to be true about uh, Thomas Keller's success and just, you know, what it takes to be successful from that experience.
1: Um, You can never stop trying your hardest. Mm. You can never stop. It's and different. you can never stop, and you can never stop taking care of your people, not just your guests, but your people that work with you and for you. That's the most important thing. Give me an
0: example of how Thomas Keller takes care of his people.
1: Um, he, I met my wife three months at the French Laundry. She was a a uh, extern from Canada uh, for three months. And I met her there, long story short, um, when she came back to move and be as my boyfriend, um, she came back in the kitchen, but she had problems with her hands. Um, And so she needed to go to the dining room. And because I was the major d', and now she was gonna be my direct supervisor, um, he he allowed it to happen, and he gave us a chance to work together, uh, which, is really thoughtful because he could have said, no, Nick, go. He, he could have said, no, Nick, you have to go to Bouchon. Sandra has to go here. We have to be company policy. No, he believes in us and he made it, he made it work. And if that wouldn't have happened, none of, none of my success would have happened. I'm married with my wife 10 years now. I have two kids with her. So that thoughtfulness of taking care of me and Sandra and listening to our needs, He that, that was the coolest thing I ever did for me. Beautiful. Awesome.
0: All right. So uh, why, why did you leave the French laundry?
1: I left the French laundry because a couple of things. I was at a time where I had my first child and um, living in Youngville is when you're 27 years old is I love, and it's a beautiful place, but I needed, I wanted the city. I wanted to live back in the city. Um, I really wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. I did not take a job after the French laundry. I wanted, I mean my dad tried to get in the wine business, I was, I was, I was, I was, the French Laundry was so important to me that I just really wanted to take some time off, figure out what I was going to do, and, and be a dad for a little bit. Because I had my daughter, she was eight months. So Sandra and I decided to move to San Francisco, which would stay close to our family at the French Laundry and everybody we met over the last five years. And she had the opportunity to to work for Corey Lee, who was the chef de cuisine at French Laundry. Um, he was opening up Bennu. And so she had the opportunity to work for him. And I just kind of chilled out in San Francisco just trying to see what I was going to do next. I uh, thought I was going to do fine dining, get my suit on again, um, but the Delfina restaurant group came calling. Um, and I was was in love with their restaurants from day one, um, their consistency, their service model, what they do, their community involvement. And so I, I took a leap of faith in a different style of dining, and I took a, a job that was probably above – well where, where i was as a gm slash you know going to be director of operations um and it was it was amazing and i got the opportunity and i became the gm of Delfina and, and the pizzeria on 18th street and um it got, i learned so much i mean i learned different parts about the restaurant business um but I you know different than, than the fine dining side um and that's where where uh, somebody said, Nick, you need to open a restaurant. You need to open your own place. Well, what were
0: some of the wow. biggest things? If you could just take a moment, uh, we can clean this up after if you need to, just take sure. a moment to think. What were some of the biggest takeaways you learned going through, or, just, or even just about yourself, uh, transitioning from major D to a GM to a director of operations? What were the biggest things you the learned? Biggest,
1: the biggest challenges were the account, financials, accounting. I mean, I've gotten some, 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 good, some good things talk to me in French Laundry, but French Laundry was, you know, it's it's yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's still a restaurant, but you knew how many people you were going to do every night. It was booked every night. The numbers kind of, mm-hmm. you could kind of call the numbers yep. and set your numbers inside of it. I learned the volatility of a restaurant. I learned what it does when it, when it's slow for the week, where the cash goes, all of that stuff. And that was where I learned, I learned about business, not, not just trying to be the best in the world. I learned about how to run a business and how to run a business with a husband and wife team that put everything into their own businesses and how to deal with all that and, and try to run them, you know, and run them successfully. So how and do it,
0: you deal with vulnerability? That was new to you. How did you,
1: what did you learn to deal with that? How do I, you know, that goes back to Gregory, figure it out, learn it, read. Yeah. I have the worst in accounting. I flunked every accounting class, probably, you know, like hated it, but I had to learn, Right now, I just don't know how to do journal. I'm a really good accountant now. I just don't know how to do journal entries in QuickBooks. But I can, you know, I can look at numbers all day. And that, I mean, that was something that I needed in my career to be confident and to do anything. Because if you don't know the business, this restaurant business is too hard. So... G- get specific yeah, I, just, I just tried give me I uh, just tried
0: you' you're giving us great stuff, man. I'm loving the conversation, but get specific give us give us some the listeners and myself something I could take away sure. like what's one lesson about accounting a specific lesson that you didn't know uh that you learned making that transition to the i to learned
1: interview. i learned I learned like I mean, it's hard. I'm trying to understand. I'm putting you on the and spot. And you're
0: doing great. No, I know.
1: I mean, I <laughs> read, I mean, it was like okay. Sit. Am I might sit in my first P and l meeting? And they're talking about pr- productivity and what the productivity numbers are and cogs are good. And I didn't know any of that. I mean, I knew like kind of how to get cogs, so I didn't. So what I did is I just asked as many questions as possible, and I learned as much as possible. So I, mean, I was a master. You're seeing
0: productivity numbers.
1: Yeah, like okay, you have there's you have labor, you have your labor and they have, their, you have your output, you have sales and whatever. And basically with your labor and your sales, you can get the productivity of your employees. Okay. You know, are they selling correctly? You know, is, is the work that they're doing efficient for, for the restaurant? Because all restaurant tourists, at least the ones that I've known, they struggle with, I want to do this, but can we afford to do that? You know, can we afford to do a whole animal program? Can we afford to do, have all this labor to have all this extra stuff because we want to be cool do we have the revenues to support that and i think that that's you know that was something that i that i learned quickly it's like hey let's do this but wait a second we can't do that we don't have the labor to support that Mm -hmm. or somebody's gonna have to work a lot extra Mm -hmm. and that's what i learned i learned i learned the importance of, of of understanding the financials um and and really being involved with the financials So you could not have to worry so much I make so many rash decisions come months in when things aren't going so well or yeah. things are going really well. So and that you, was like the big, big lesson that I learned because I didn't have anywhere with all of that. Yeah. So you, I was that. like, let's be the best. Let's <laughs> do
0: good
1: it. caviar, which on is this. important. Let's get a pig,
0: which is yeah. important to have that energy, yeah. to have that go-get'em attitude. But at the same yeah. time, y- you can't go into a blonde. You need a plan. You need to be realistic, and you need to exactly. protect yourself. And it learns like, exactly. you learn how to protect yourself uh, working exactly at this group. So, yeah. Uh, you said you, you you do the research. You learn. Where did you learn uh, about these numbers? What was was there a book or was it a person that taught you this or a research? No, well, it was
1: really. I mean, it was really the the people. The, the, it was really the people above me. I mean, uh, Annie and Craig taught me a lot. Stole, uh the accountants that we had were amazing. They would with me weekly, and I, I could ask any question, and and they would help me out. And so, when when it just started to kick, I started to be like, oh my god, I got it, and it was like, I got it. It's been a curse in some ways because I'm more involved with the accounting than some of accountants would like me to be, and I call out a lot of errors. But it's good as a business owner because you have control over your over over your numbers.
0: Mm. So you transitioned from a GM to a, a general, or sorry, a director of operations. What was mm-hmm. what was that? What was that transition like?
1: That was that was a hard transition for me. That was that was um I was running now. Um, Two, two small restaurants or two decent sized restaurants in San Francisco with about 40 employees to now in charge of all four locations. It's like 200 employees and 19, 18 managers or something like that. Okay. So it was just a lot of me trying to figure out, and it was a new position. It wasn't a position that was in place. So it was like I had to build it from an organic way. Um, and it was hard because, you know, you're you're learning so, and you're, and you're making and you're making mistakes. And yeah. Let's try
0: this. You're uh, uh, sorry. Did you want to finish your thought? No. So what, what was your focus as a GM? And then how did your focus change as a director of operation?
1: Well, the GM, I mean, my, my job was, was to make sure that the, my property was, was, was being run adhered to by best business practices and everything. But as a director of operations, I was in charge of all the restaurants doing that and all the managers to, to instill that um, in each restaurant. And so that challenge, I mean, it, 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 it was simple because it's kind of the same thing, but it was more complicated because you have more more human beings to manage, more and different, you know, everybody's different. Um, it's kind of easier when it's your own place. You've got your, your crew, you've got your staff, you got your, your kitchen team, your dining room team. But then when you have five kitchen teams and five dining room teams and, and all these different managers, just the dynamic, Uh, was challenging
0: so it sounds like as a GM your focus is are we doing are we uh, maintaining best practices and as a DO your role is to maintain that your GM's are maintaining best practices so you're basically observing them so what keys are there to maintaining best practices what things did you leverage what tools did you leverage to make sure your people were maintaining best practices
1: Uh, I mean you got to be all over the place (laughs) <laughs> you've got to be meeting. You've got to be communicating. I mean, communication is your biggest tool, right? Being really clear with expectations, laws, whatever, whatever you're implementing. Um, you've got to be really clear with your expectation and, and you've got to make sure everybody understands that expectation. So making sure that, that you're communicating correctly is, is a huge tool um but you have to So it sounds like uh,
0: a big part of communicating correctly is being clear about expectations. Uh mm-hmm. that reminds me so much of what we got from our man uh Rudy Mick who I'm just a huge fan of his values is the way he sees things the way he explains th- explains things and he says he gave us one piece of advice when he was on the show if, like he could leave us with one piece of advice and it was paint a picture of perfection. Uh mm-hmm. you can't expect anybody to to Meet your expectations if you haven't painted the, the clear expectation what, what that looks like. What does the, the job done right look like? Um, exactly. What else? I mean, what else do you know about good communication that you can share with us before we move on?
1: Oh, just be thoughtful in your communication. You know, what do you mean um, by that? Just you know, communication. Like, you know, we use email and text a lot. Email and text tone can be taken in, in, in a certain way. I think asking questions before you make statements. It's a big lesson I'm learning. Still learning today. What
0: do you mean? Ask questions. Like you ask your before you start asking your employees questions. Start or before you. Sorry, I'm. Before
1: you you make the statements like, "Hey, like somebody, you know, like my employee did something wrong the other day." I come and I'm instead of just sitting him down and drilling him about all the things he did wrong, ask him some questions. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Are things going okay outside of work? You know, do you want to talk about anything? Because we're feeling you're struggling at work, and this is what we see. And if you ask those questions, I feel like you, you humanize the person, um, and you get a lot better response and you find out a lot more about your employees that give you a better perspective to manage them. And than, than you would, if you just, Hey, this is what you did Here's your write up. Go, you yeah. know,
0: Yep. Yeah. first seek to understand it, then seek to be understood. I love exactly. it. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, okay. So time is flying. Uh, okay. So, Let's transition. For, well, let me ask you this. Was there anything that happened that we should be talking about before we move into your transition on trying to do your own thing?
1: Well, I mean, it was just more or less it was time to do my own thing. And San Francisco, I had my second child in San Francisco. I think San Francisco and the Bay Area was worth every single penny that you to live there. But then my second child was like, all right, I'm going to have to make a move. restaurant business is not that fruitful. Um, you know, it's not a tech business. So I, I, am from Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, I w I wasn't so excited to move back to Portland, Oregon. I was thinking Seattle. Um, but a friend of mine, um, was like, you gotta open a restaurant, man. It's time for you to go. Like, do your own thing. And he pushed me. So I told my wife, I "I want to open a restaurant. This is what we're going to do. Um, this is what we're going to do. Let's go to Seattle. Let's go to Portland. Let's talk to my parents. Let's figure it out. And we ended up deciding to move back home to Portland because I have a huge family. Um, and I felt that Portland um, was there was some opportunity in Portland. And um, so I decided, to, I decided to do it.
0: So real um, quick, uh, what was the biggest hurdle you had to get over? Um, the biggest hurdle to commit to opening your own place. So what was stopping you? Was it just, was it, was a thought not there? Were you afraid? Did you not have the confidence Somebody no.
1: give you the confidence? Yeah. I think somebody gave me the confidence. I think I started just to, to, to slowly dream about it probably in my, in my end, in the middle of my Delfina days, like man, is it, cause you know, do I work for somebody or do I, or, and, and, you know, just keep on it or do I, do I go out on the limb and risk everything? That's what we do when we open restaurants. We risk everything. And do we do it? And then I kind of started to feel like doing it. And then my friend, Josh Harris and Scott Baird down in San Francisco, they were like, come on, man, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's open it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it together. We'll be the bar. Let's do it. And then they really just inspired me. And then all of a sudden, I just started dreaming again which i think and is a, a,
0: like a a testament sorry i have a bad habit of cutting people off i'm trying to be no better but you, it, man, you did. do you want to do you want to finish your thought no no you you it, it was perfect place to stop okay cool so just just that just speaks to the power of surrounding yourself with other passionate driven people and i think that's what right. happens when you go to work at a place like french laundry you know you're going to be on a team with a, 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 a with a bunch of people who are dreamers who are workers and they push you they right. bring you along with them uh, they they collaborate like look look at your team right now your wife yeah. that worked with her at the French Laundry. Uh, your your chefs uh, were they are they still with you today? The people that you were you're talking about before.
1: The the oh, Josh and Scott. No, Josh and Scott didn't make the didn't make the final push, but they they were the catalyst. To okay, it. yeah, you but know, I mean, just getting deal, getting deals done are different.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> so, what i'm trying to say is you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with And when you go to work for the best you're going to be surrounded yeah. with a bunch of other people who are trying to do the same thing as you and they're going to drive yeah. you they're going to push you to be the best it's awesome yeah so okay yeah, uh, i agree with you awesome man uh so let's start talking about i want to make sure we leave enough time to talk about sure. what you what you got going on today and uh yeah. so pop-ups man you started doing these pop-ups uh, yeah. w- what was the goal? What were you trying to do with the pop-ups? Did you have an idea? I was trying to make money, man. I knew mean, it was broke.
1: <laughs> I was so broke. I couldn't get a job in Portland. Like I, you know, everybody kind of knew that I was in town. That I, My re- my resume was pretty daunting for people, um, which was hard for me to take because I, I just wanted a serving job. Um, and I couldn't get a job. And then finally I was able to get a job, but I was like, we got to make money and our I want to open this restaurant and our, these, these, our possible chefs are in town. Let's do pop up, you know? And so we, we didn't even know what the restaurant name was going to be called. We just called it Project Grace because my, my grandmother had just died. And I was like, let's just call it. I wanted to call the restaurant Grace, but I knew there was a Grace in Chicago. And so I was just kind of like, well, we'll just call it Project Grace and we'll figure it out. So we put together and we started doing pop-ups every Friday night.
0: So I there's a part of me the <laughs> there's a part of me that wants to invite you back just to have a, a, a topic on like how to set yourself up for success using pop-ups, uh, but yeah. we don't have enough time today. Just to yeah, go over we over I'm
1: happy to. I'm happy to do another episode. Oh I mean, that'd be great. I I don't do this. I don't do this ever. So I, it's funny. I'm kind of re- recollecting on maybe I get lost in my thoughts because I'm. It's hard for me to recall everything because I don't do it very often.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you said there was opportunity. Uh, Were were you trying to kind of fine tune where the opportunity was with the pop-ups? Were you trying to test the market? I mean, what was, or were you just just trying to make money?
1: I was really just trying to make money and see if people would come. (laughs) Maybe see if people would come. Okay. You know, I knew I had a big. I have a big family. I have a big, big. I, I call them. They're just a big group of people that are friends and family. I knew that they would support me. And keep me the money going for the first two months, <laughs> and uh, and and that that's what they did. They all came out and supported me every Friday night and helped help me help us help us stay you know help us stay afloat. And during that time, we started to, you know, during that time we were looking for a restaurant. We were trying to get a space, mm-hmm. um, and things started to kind of click. Yeah. So let know? me just ask
0: you this: like, what are the benefits? Of doing a pop-up and taking that approach to get that clarity i mean well now i'm making assumptions but uh sure what, take me through the benefits of I mean, what came of the pop-ups and why why that's a, an option to get your i guess your, the your benefits
1: the benefits of the pop-up do a couple things if you're new to the market it exposes you to the market and gives you a great barometer for the concept that you're trying to do um i think pop-ups are are are, are a really great thing um i think that there, it's interesting because the stresses of a pop up are much different than the stresses of a restaurant, right? Um, it's so the stresses really just show up and do great food, and I think that that less stress helps you for the other stress, mm. which is which is when you have so many more responsibilities and so many more bills to pay. I think it allows you to find fine tune your food, fine tune your service. It allows you to get to get some people that start to support you and believe in you um, and build yourself in a marketplace. And I think yes. that's the most important yep. thing of the pop-ups.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, like, you're only as good as your relationships. And if you don't exactly. really have those, I mean, you were from that area, but you were gone for a while. You came back. You had a, you got to strengthen those relationships. You got to start exactly. getting those roots planted. And there's such a great, I mean, you, you just do so much networking with those pop-ups. And, exactly. Uh,
1: I mean, I, I got guests, I got guests to come, once a month, they came to my pop. Like they came to my pop ups. They come once a month to Renata still. I mean, that's the coolest thing for me. That's the fa- That's my favorite part about it.
0: So, when did the vision for Renata start coming into frame?
1: Uh, Renata was 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 the vision started in San Francisco. We did a lot of market research in Portland and tried to figure out what 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 the market needed. The market um, was. Had a lot of great restaurants, a lot of great food, but only had a few Italian restaurants, and they've been open for a long time. So I was like, "Let's do Italian, and let's let's do it. Let's do a uh, you know handmade pastas, do pizza, simple small menu, 40 seat dining room, great cocktail program, and and make it simple." Um, and that's where it kind of started. What it really changed a lot over the course of from that. that from that meeting in San Francisco to to Renata as it is today, one because of the, the, the space really dictated what we could and couldn't do, and until we got the space, it changed. It changed the the approach. So okay. we were very we were very lucky with the space that we got, even though it took. Like Santa and I were looking for a space for almost a year and a half. We lost or walked away from six or seven spaces. I was at the point where I needed to get a job. Mm-hmm. We were in tears. We were like, it was it was pretty devastating. Mm. But my father comes to me the next day and he says, hey, Nick, my, da- my dad makes cheese. So he's got a, a a dairy called Ancient Heritage Dairy. So it was out in the farm. And he said, hey, they want to do a production facility in the city and do an urban creamery. Go look for, instead of 3,000 square feet or 2,500 square feet, go look for 7,000. Okay. The next day, I walk in to this building that I'm standing in now. and am to the door that I'm standing in now. And um, it's this building is awesome. And I'm like, this is it. Okay, let's figure out how to do it. We go into lease negotiations with the guys. They're in mass construction of gutting it and cleaning it up to put in all the infrastructure. We're about to sign the lease. The guy gives me a call and says, um, we ran out of money. We have to cancel your lease. Um, we have to sell the building. Oh. And I was, dev- I was devastated. Right. Call my dad. Call- I, mean, I'm I mean, I'm a 30-year-old man crying. Call my dad crying. like dad, office went to. And he's like, that's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Because my dad's in investment, in investment services. He says, I got five or six clients to invest in property before the tax year. Oh, man. So he says, let's see if we can make a deal happen.
0: Oh, it's awesome
1: right? Then your dad comes through massively for you and you're just like, your heart just drops, right? You're like, dad, you're my hero. <laughs> and, uh, we went through negotiations and we came in his partners bought the building. We had, now we had a 10, now we had a 20,000 square foot lot with a 10,000 square foot warehouse on it that had no infrastructure. And, um, I had to figure out it's a lot bigger than the, the you know, I had to take 4,000 square foot for the restaurant. It was a lot bigger than, I wanted than I ever wanted. And I knew that we had to do something that was going to be impactful at that moment. Like I knew that if we're building a restaurant in this corner, and we're going to do this, we got to make it a big time restaurant. And so we went into, we're not the
0: 2.0. Okay. So what do you think? Okay. What is impactful to you? What do you mean by impactful?
1: Impactful means that it, that it's a restaurant that open, that, ha- that has longevity. That, that hopefully has longevity. That has good. Uh, that that it makes a difference in the community. Um, we were taking a whole city block and kind of make changing it. And I knew that I couldn't just under-deliver. I had to bring something that was gonna that was gonna be good for the community. Price conscious, healthy food, everything. Like it's not just one thing that makes a restaurant impactful. Every detail that would make it impactful.
0: Okay, so what things did you do to set yourself up to make sure you would come in with an impact?
1: Well, the first, well, my, my, the impact for me wasn't necessarily to get press, right? Or to be like this. Is like we have this huge space. I have to now fill it up, which means that I have to employ people. Mm. So, how do, we, how do we be the best employers in that situation and employ people with this big space? With the space that we were able to build, we, we we believe we, we started with a set of standards where we're going to be a holistic restaurant, meaning we are a complete scratch kitchen, and we make everything in house. Okay. And we only bring in whole animals, meaning everything is dictated by the whole animals that come in the restaurant, and everything is made in scratch bread, pasta, pizza, everything. Okay. But we and that was that for that for me at the moment was great. It allowed me to employ people in skilled positions, which are all this stuff to one, create a product and use the product in a very uh, way that we use the whole animal, which helped us with the cost of good, which allowed us to have the ability to have the labor to support uh, the business.
0: So you and took that, the, the money you were saving on sourcing and uh, getting the product. You were, you were putting that towards taking care of your people.
1: Yeah. You, 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 you employ my product price seven more people because of that. Okay. You know, what about, and that was important. So, that was important to uh, to us if, with this huge space.
0: Okay, um, so there's a lot of challenges that come with this approach. Yes. Uh, who, do you want to cover some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, the challenges. It's really it's really difficult. The <laughs> yeah. margin of the margin of error is is crazy. Uh, the you know um, learning the, the farmers, learning everything. It just it just takes a lot of time. Um, and it's and it's also an expensive way to run your, run the business, especially if business isn't there or business is volatile or whatever. So really learning how to to learn how to make it work has been a process that we're just now finally starting to figure out two years into it. Yeah, I mean, almost two years.
0: listening to you talk, I can't help but think of one of the biggest challenges for people in the industry today, and that's just finding people to work uh, who have the skills yeah. to be able to put out food at the standard at which... Our our guests are expecting food to be put out, really good food. Yeah. And everybody's putting out it's really good hard. stuff. So you have yeah. this high standard. How are you meeting that high standard with such a a, a, de, a I guess a deflation in uh, the the potential workforce?
1: Well, it's it's not. That's part of the pro That's part of the hard part is that you know the work the work the workforce is not what it was it's when cool. I was coming up in the in- industry. Yeah, and two. Um, people don't stick around as much and they move on because they're, if you're a, a young cook or you're a young sous chef or you're even a chef de cuisine, you know, until you made it or you have your own restaurant, most of these guys are looking to continue to move up. So my biggest challenge is try to create an environment, right? A place of work, which people are, are cared for and taken, taken care of financially. And done this I started with being thoughtful, you have to be thoughtful about it and you have to stick with your vision. And, and that, that's, that's, that's allowed us to be successful. We've had we've lost people, people come and go, but the core, the core has stayed and the ethos has stayed. And I think that that's the only way we're able, I mean, we're able to keep it up.
0: Why is it so important to have that core, that ethos? What do you mean by that ethos anyway?
1: Well, just the culture, the ethos, like this is the way we do it. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. Most important, why? It's not, this is how we do it. This is how we do it, but this is because of why. I mean, that was be, the second, third, fourth biggest thing I ever learned at the French Laundry was everything had a reason why. And so Stan and I created this restaurant and we got, of course, we, you know, we really wanted an inclusive restaurant. We wanted a p- pizza, pasta, charcuterie, place that you can come to the bar, have a great cocktail and a pizza, or you could come sit in the dining room and have a four courses and nice bottle of wine and get really good service. We wanted it to be a really family friendly place. Um, it turned, it, it's, it's, it's got its mind of its own but <laughs> that's what we wanted. Um, that's what we tried to do um, as, we, as we started the restaurant was, was, was build a restaurant that we know that we were supporting the community in terms of employing people, that we were supporting the local farmers, um, and that we knew the food was, 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 was good for you when you sat down to eat, eat at the
0: restaurant. Awesome, man. Uh we've covered a lot of stuff up to this point. We're over 15 minutes of recording time and, uh sure. it goes by so fast. But is there anything, um, about your success in, in opening your own restaurant, uh, things you know to be true about success, uh, and, and just making it that we haven't touched on yet that you were hoping we would, that we can hit on before we go to the speed uh, round? Success. I
1: think success is, the individual's own definition of it. I don't know you know, my successful my but for me in terms of success for me is I'm I'm really happy to to employ people. Um I'm really happy to to I get a lot from that. I get a lot from I guess coming back. Um so I think for like success for me is is, is really finding the joys in in what you, you love out of your job and, and embracing that mm. because the, the restaurant business is so hard. I mean, we get beat up all the time, and I'm not complaining. But every night you can have a problem with somebody's upset and a guest, you know, and that hurts us because we care so much about the food. Or, you know, uh, business is not where you want it to be, and you know, it's hard. And I think that I don't know. I find a lot of pride in my success. Is just that I employ 37 people. I got I got two two restaurants now. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. Success is hard for me to talk about.
0: So So one more question before we we dive into the the speed round. And, uh, this is a question i like to ask those couples who are going to business together. Uh, would you, okay. How do I approach this? Uh, what advice do you have for going into business with your, your spouse or a significant other?
1: Ooh, Ooh, don't do it. Careful. (laughs) No, um, um, I, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be open. You gotta, you gotta listen to what your criticism and what people have to say about the things that you don't do right. You know, um, that's the hardest thing is, is that you have to, you have to listen a lot more when you're working with your wife and you're running a restaurant than when you're running a restaurant by by yourself. You know, um, it, It's
0: yeah, I mean, that's good. I'll take it, man. That's good. You know, stop there. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to be unstoppable. Most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes top 100 company twice in a row. Check out cabbage with a K dot com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. Have you heard of the 80-20 rule? Well, if you haven't, it states that for many events, roughly 80% of effects come from 20% of the causes. How does this apply to the restaurant industry? Roughly 80% of your total revenue comes from 20% of your customers. That 20%, well, those are your loyal customers. Five Stars helps you get more loyal customers and helps you strengthen the bond between existing loyal customers. This method is so effective that Five Stars users have reported up to 200% increase in revenue. Set up a demo today and learn about their two newest features. Word of Mouth, which allows your guests to share the rewards they earn at your restaurant with their friends and network matching. Where basically, if you get a 100 customers to sign up, 5 Stars will send you 100 new customers that have never been to your restaurant. To learn more, head over to get.5stars.com slash unstoppable or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you see a demo, 5 Stars will send you a $25 gift card to some of their favorite retailers like target starbucks home depot and more get on it we're back and the first question i have for you nick is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success uh then i'm relentless relentless i love it yeah i never stop <laughs> well you're unstoppable yeah, what, there you go. <laughs> what is your biggest weakness?
1: Um, my biggest weakness is my communication when I am frustrated. So how have you worked on that? I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm, 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 it got, I'm being open. I'm listening to my wife. I'm, I'm learning how to ask questions first and not be so, you know, when you opened my when I opened my own restaurant, it became it was a lot more personal. And so not to make it personal, you know, when things went wrong, like if the guest was upset, I was really sad about it, you know, really upset about it and not, you know, so I, I had to learn. Yeah. So communicating
0: when you're frustrated, um, do you still communicate when you're frustrated or what have you learned? Try about not to. Okay.
1: So Try, I'm trying to just take that, you know, learn to walk away, take a deep breath, ask some questions to other people about it if you need to, before you you, you tackle the issue.
0: Yeah, man, you know, there's one name uh, that I feel like every restaurant owner professional uh, in our industry should be aware of or familiar with. And that's uh, Daniel Goldman, the author of Emotional Social Intelligence, uh, Primal. I don't know this one. Oh, man. Uh, His books uh, on emotional and just like controlling your emotions and understanding your how your brain works uh, and just just like really just. I won't go too deep into it, but man, uh,
1: I'll go get the book today. That oh, sounds like so, perfect to so me. So
0: good. Yeah. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process?
1: Um, I, I ask them what their dreams are. That's the one question I ask everybody. What's your dream? What are you dreaming? What do you want to do in life? What do you want to know that support? It's important. it's important. I'm looking to see, see where they, who they are. I get a lot from them. You know, some people don't share because they don't want to share their dreams. And I have a lot of respect for that. Some people tell you the most, most people tell you the most beautiful things. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a, a human, a human touch because serving, you got it. You've got to, you got to be able to find connection with people when you serve. Awesome. What
0: is your current challenge today? The biggest challenge you're dealing with today.
1: Uh, the biggest challenge I'm doing today is continue to fill the restaurant. Bust and seats every day.
0: So did you say continuing to fill the restaurant?
1: Fill the restaurant, yeah. Getting getting better every day. Butts and seats, like you know, um, we we don't Portland's a small town. We do, we need people to come back to the restaurant, and the only way to do that is by to deliver great food, great service, put in a great ambience every single time. So that challenge every day to fill the restaurant and give great service every day is. Is what we have to do every day to make to survive. What new things
0: have you done? What ways have you adapted to um, combat this challenge of continuing to fill your restaurant?
1: Well, we had we had a couple challenges in the beginning. We we opened the restaurant, the restaurant within six weeks got from the Oregonian, which is the big uh, newspaper here, uh, restaurant of the year.
0: Oh wow! That's
1: and it, it yeah, sure, it was awesome, but it was <laughs> the worst thing that could have happened to us. One. We were not a good restaurant. We just opened. Two, um, what that did to us in terms of a business influx, it just crushed us, oh. right? I mean, we got so busy so fast, we couldn't keep up. We were a terrible restaurant by 90 days in. Um, a lot of the reviewers just destroyed us, um, rightfully so. And we basically became this really, we're really like, I'm a restaurant, dude. I'm a rest- mean, that's all I am restaurant. We kind of got shunned from the industry a little bit. Um, and so what we had to do, once all that kind of died down and business died down and got to where a normal state was, we, we took one guest at a time, one guest at a time, one service at a time, and we built a tremendous amount of repeat business. Beautiful. And that's, that was it. Awesome. And now we're, now, we're, now we're now we're now we're healthy, that's the best thing we can ask for two and a half years in.
0: One guest at a time. I love it and uh share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team that isn't standard in the industry.
1: What code of conduct
0: did I teach my team um, it's not is, is this could be a value or a way to carry yourself or a way to
1: treat others. I mean, uh, that's a hard question for me. I mean, we try to have. I think all the values and the standards that I have they all came from other restaurants. Okay. Um, um, so, what's I one think, value?
0: Give us a value. Uh,
1: um, one here is one value: the 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 guest. Um, it's hard. Like the the It the biggest thing for us that I think that we ask our our our, our staff to do. Is to not be black and white. There's not so many rules in our restaurant, and I don't know, bad bad answer, but uh, um, I I don't know. Our code of conduct: we don't allow any 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 bad music in the restaurant. (laughs) Hard question
0: for me, man. No, I mean I think that's great. Uh, Don't be black and white. And for me, when I hear you say that, I'm thinking, uh, make it happen. There is no, yeah, you it, know, yeah, if, if somebody wants something,
1: make it happen. If, yeah. I mean, be, be humble to everybody. Just treat people well, you know, um, say you're sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. I, uh, you know, I just try to, we just try to run a thoughtful business. We make mistakes <laughs> a lot. We make mistakes too. You know, I don't know.
0: <laughs> what is uh, one uncommon standard of service? So, I, I use this this example over and over again. If you approach a table and you're holding something in your hand that does not belong to that table, uh, you hold it behind your back. Is an example of, of a non-standard or uncommon standard of service. Uh, what do you teach your team? How do you guys conduct yourself? That's unstandard as far as service.
1: Oh, that's unstandard in terms of service. Well, one of the things we one of the things we do is we mark uh, our glass our gla- our water glasses are different for sparkling water versus still water. And we, we we offer sparkling and still water as compliments I guess so uh, you know sparkling water as compliments is compliments from the system and so that's kind of a service because you never you know you've gone to the restaurant and you're drinking sparkling and your friend's drinking still and then they pour the still in the sparkling okay so this, this allowed the glass completely different so it's a visual it's a visual tool to make sure that you're giving proper service on the water awesome um, we we uh what else do we do? I love this we stuff. Man. This is like the, we, the, do of, we do lots. We do lots. We do lots of little things. I mean, we're pretty rigid in our service at Renata. Like more rigid than maybe a inclusive family style restaurant. So you can't carry anything without a tray. You can't carry any glasses in your hand at Renata. Um, what does that? You do? can't carry more. You can't. You can't carry more than three plates. What does you know? That
0: do? so
1: that, what I'll, does that say? Well, it, it just it, it gives us a level of. Of control in the dining room um, it allows us to 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 look really good in the dining room you know when you're stacking six plates and you're trying to get around the table it just doesn't feel good to the guests and then you're trying to then you throw it all in the dish dish pit and the, <laughs> the, 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 the the stuff's not stacked right and the plates break so it's just a really more thoughtful way of being more efficient with your movements and, and and you know having to carry a tray and look pretty while you're doing it and
0: that's. I'm right there with you, man. Sorry if I cut you off.
1: You know, no worries, but that's, 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 that's a little bit thing different than I noticed in most restaurants. I think you can do so
0: much more with the tray. Like you are so much more yeah. efficient with the tray. It's cleaner. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why people are so against it. I think it's initially it's intimidating and it's harder mm-hmm. to train, but once you get over, it's like, it's, it's like anything. Once you learn how to do it, once you figure it out, it's all muscle memory and you're like 10 exactly. times more effective. Uh, it's definitely exactly. worth training.
1: I, that's my opinion. There's
0: different viewpoints on that, but
1: yeah, um, I mean, my, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, my wife is you know, really fine dining service focused. <laughs> she's like, she's a, she's like, she goes for it. She's ready. She doesn't she like to be perfect. Yeah, You know me, I'm a little more relaxed, but it's a good balance.
0: All right, cool, man. Uh, share an online resource or a tool? Uh, this could be like a magazine art, uh, like a a website, like a online magazine or just a a blog or, uh, a place you go to learn things or maybe, I don't know anything that you you leverage online.
1: So I leverage online to like for learning. Yeah. Um, So these are some new
0: questions. I'm still getting used to like pitching.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is, that's a good, this is a really good one. I mean, one, honestly, uh, I read a lot of, I read a lot of what, um, a lot of articles written by new york times and kind of stuff so I, I read a lot of that stuff um like online as much as possible just to kind of have a pulse of what's going on in the industry um and just kind of know what everybody's doing um i like to um i like i like to uh, um use uh, uh, what's it called lucky peach i like to read stuff in lucky peach a lot um yeah awesome. just, besides that besides that, I'm. My my online stuff is, uh, is uh, watching soccer. I like soccer too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what is one a book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator?
1: One Minute Manager.
0: Ooh, that is a good one. Tell me the biggest lesson from that book that you took.
1: Um, to take your time. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot about taking your time in that book. Yep.
0: And uh, that book is on audio uh, or in audio. So if you head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable, uh, if you want that to be your first free book, you can get that book for free. Uh, Yeah. And uh, using my links does support the show, so thank you in advance. Uh, what's one piece of technology, like a tangible piece of technology, now, like a like a POS system or uh, like a uh, seating, uh, like a reservation, sure. or something like that that you're leveraging that gets you really excited?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm old. I mean, I'm, I'm, I use OpenTable. I use I use um, I use Aloha for my POS system. But something that's been really, really great, that's been new. It's not 100 percent perfect. It's blue Card. And this, this, this is a a ordering system that allows your, your cooks and your chefs and your managers to order online in one place for all your purveyors. And it gives you, it, it it gives you an inventory sheet based by class of produce and all that stuff. And it's really, really great because it's all there and everybody can see what's going on. If stop an order, recall an order. So it's been really nice because ordering and inventory systems is one of the busiest and most tedious work that we have to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, Blue the Cart. So this is
0: a Yeah. Blue Cart's great. They've been on the show. They've sponsored the show. Uh, oh, so, cool.
1: So you know about them. Yeah. We just found out about them. They're great. I mean, oh, we're yeah. learning about it. We've been using them for about a month and a half now. We're like, it's like, it's really changed our operations and our time. It's been great.
0: Awesome. And this is episode four zero three. So if you guys want to check out any of the, the tools, books or services, and if you're looking for a summary of the conversations, head over to restaurant com slash four Oh three, I'll link to everything right there. And, the last big question before we start to wrap things up is if you got the news that tomorrow you'd be leaving this world and all the memories of you and your work and the restaurants you've created will be gone with your departure, except for three pieces of wisdom, three things, you know, to be true uh, to, oh, awesome. to reflect who you are and like what you believe in and what you know to be true about success. Uh, what would those three things be?
1: Um, I, um, humor, Uh, you gotta laugh at yourself. Um, um, you gotta laugh a lot. Uh, I try to take what, I don't know if this is the right answer, but I try to take, uh, what I do. (laughs) I I try to take what I do really seriously, but I don't take myself. So I'm not so you know, but I don't take myself. I'm not so serious about myself. Um, I think just having fun, um, and (laughs) enjoying loving what you do is the most important thing. You know, um, I think that to like, me, I love what I do. Um, I'm super excited about taking care of people and serving and feeding people that impact. And I don't know I would, I want to take that, that, that hospitality with me. If I can take, you know, hospitality is probably one thing I would leave behind.
0: Beautiful. So you know? I've got uh humor. You got to love, you got to laugh at yourself. Uh, take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously in love what you do. Um, yeah. Is that combined yeah. with number two or is hospitality number three? Is <laughs> I think hospitality I think they're
1: number twos combined. I think hospitality the number
0: three. Got it. I love it. What is hospitality to you?
1: Uh, hospitality to me is is being completely open to take care of somebody and, and, and adhere to all their needs mm. in, 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 a, in a thoughtful way.
0: Yes, I love it, man. This has been great. Uh, is there anything I did not ask you? Any question that you think could have added more value to this conversation?
1: No, no every question was great and appreciated. It's, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to sit and reflect about uh, the last 10 years and more than that, 15 years of my life with somebody that I don't know. It's pretty <laughs> cool. that this. It brought back a lot of memories about... Made me think about myself, which, which, and reflect on things that things that I hadn't been around in a long time. And I appreciate that because we don't get to do that all the
0: time in this oh, industry. Man. Nick, I, t- I appreciate you taking the time to share your story, to share your advice and your recommendations. We're all better because of it. And uh, before I let you go, I wrap up every episode by calling somebody out or having you call somebody out, uh, somebody you admire, somebody you respect in this industry. Uh, who do you think would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? We already said that I'm going to get your wife on the show. So I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. yeah. Me she, I mean,
1: she's, she's great. I mean, she's She's like she's really, He's really the star of the restaurant. Um, who do I want to call out? This is a good That's one. That's how this I found 24.
0: you, man. Alex called you out.
1: That's a good one. He, he was thoughtful about it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Who do I want to call out? I want to call out... I want to call... I, I, you know somebody that I looked up to and I, who's worked, and I guess I'm going to keep it in the French Laundry team? Who I've looked up and I've admired... And stay in touch with, with and and really watch his career blossom is Tim Hollingsworth who's the owner of OTM in
0: LA. Tim Hollingsworth.
1: Yep.
0: All right, He's Tim.
1: Look out. Yep.
0: All right, Tim. Look up, man. I'm coming after you. Uh, I'd love to get you on the show. The show in uh, Sandra. Or Sandra, I'm coming after you too. Uh, Nick's wife, uh, the other half of what's going on over there uh, in Portland. So, man, you've been so. Great, Nick. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And uh, pleasure, just how can we connect if we want to follow what you're up to, if we want to come check out your restaurants, or maybe a website, I mean, or social
1: handles. Yeah, that's right. I'm Nick at RenataPDX.com. I'm happy to be in touch with anybody answer any questions. or awesome. love if you guys are anybody in Portland to come visit us. I'll Erickson. be visiting. Come, come hang out, man. Dude, I'm, taking this,
0: I'm taking this podcast on the road. Uh, I haven't officially announced it. I guess I, I'm technically am right now. Just did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, it will, I will. I will be definitely swinging by to shake your hand, thank you in person, and just thank you so much uh, for taking the time to to join us, to make us all better, to share what you know to be true about success in this industry. Uh, there is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable.
1: I appreciate it, man. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>
0: There's another great episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable. Nick Honorich, thank you, man. Awesome stuff today. Oh, where to start? This is the tough part, distilling what I, what I took away on just a couple of closing thoughts. And I think today for me, it was just the idea of thoughtfulness and, and leaving an impact, you know, making an impact on the people your restaurant touches in the community your restaurant's in. And how do you do that? You live intentionally. You, you live with, uh, a way of not being reactive, but a way of being proactive and thinking about what you're going to do. You know, that's that thoughtfulness, right? Thinking about what you're going to do to leave this world a better place. And also, and it wasn't directly said, but like this, the idea of surrounding yourself with amazing people Uh, going to work for the best. And if you go to work for the best, you're going to surround yourself with other people who are just as passionate, just as driven as you are. And Nick would have never, pushed himself to open his own restaurant. If he didn't have those people in his corner, the people he was working with, his colleagues encouraging him to do it. Uh, when you surround yourself with passionate people, they will lift you up. They will bring you to new levels. And that's the great thing about this p- podcast. You might not have access uh, to all these incredible people working in these restaurants. Maybe you are, hopefully you are, uh, but you can allow that their stories and their advice to influence you. And hopefully uh, you're getting inspired. That's part of the mission statement to inspire Restaurant owners and operators with these stories and the advice and the mentorship of, of my guests. So I hope you guys are getting inspired. I hope you guys are taking action in your own lives. And on that note, uh, kind of uh, gave a little teaser earlier. Uh, I traded in my Honda Civic uh, for a Honda Fit, kind of a lateral move, not really an upgrade. Why did I do that? Because, well, I can lay down in the back of a Honda Fit. Why would I want to lay down in the back of a Honda Fit? Well, because I want to take the show on the road. And I realized that uh, I might have to sleep out of my car a couple times to do it. And I'm totally willing to do that. But I feel like that's, that's what I have to do to uh, take this, this thing to the next level, to be able to put myself in front of those who have the stories uh, that will make myself and you better. Uh, and I hope it works out. It's a little scary, uh, but I committed. And I'm going to make it happen now. And the other thing I want to do to make the show better, too, is really to start doing more of those webinars. So why are these webinars impactful? Because now it's not just you listening to us, but you can join the conversation. Those webinars are live. I can put you in front of people you normally wouldn't have access to. You can ask them the questions you normally wouldn't be able to get answered. Uh, And that's, I think, the best way I can serve you. So we have two webinars coming up. We have Pablo Sanchez coming back uh, from Proven. He's gonna be teaching us on uh, how to write those perfect job posts to attract onto yourself amazing people. And then we have Seth Warby coming back. Uh, He had an episode on SEO, but he's gonna dive deeper into localized SEO, and really how to stand out in your community's online search engine uh, optimization, stuff like that. Um, Cool, so this is the future of Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys are as excited As I am, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm half excited, half shitting my pants, but, uh, like Mario Andretti says, uh, you, if you have control, you're not going fast enough. So you got to constantly be pushing yourself, constantly be living in that area of discomfort if you want to grow. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, um, it's time to practice what I preach, right? So, uh, I said it out loud. I have to do it now. It's kind of scary, but kind of exciting at the same time. All right, guys, um, you know, you know how to reach out to me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, eric at Chitore on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable. I am accepting donations. Uh, every little bit helps. And you can go over to uh, restaurantunstoppable.com slash support to learn more about that. But the best way to support this show, uh, the way uh, that would just really help get this thing to the next level is by sharing this resource with anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the hospitality industry. That's the ultimate compliment is just sharing this resource. So with that said, thank you guys all for sticking around this long, uh, for hearing me ramble on. I wouldn't be able to do it without you. I love you all. And until next time, peace out.